You're listening to the Fervent Church Podcast, a church in the Austin area who exists so that people may know Jesus. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged, challenged, and strengthened in your relationship with Jesus today. For more teachings, information, or to support our ministry, please visit fervent.church. We pray you're blessed by the message. Y'all feeling that? Feeling it? No? All right. Well, um, so welcome to the Fervent Church. I said that earlier, but uh, we really do mean that. Me, my wife, and our team here, we have been, this has been a, uh, a work of God in the making for probably three or four years for me and my wife for sure. And then the team has kind of come alongside. This has been a, a working of God. We are from Tucson, Arizona, so we are not from Texas. So howdy y'all. I don't know what y'all say. Is that, that's not even a thing, huh? You're like, that is offensive. Y'all, never mind. I said it again. You're like, we can say y'all, but you saying y'all is not okay. Um, anyways, good evening. This is our second week ever. Um, just going to give a shout out, a praise to God. Anybody? No? All right. Come on. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. So last week we officially launched this. We were in Genesis chapter 1. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles on our table back there for you guys. If you need a Bible to take home and you don't have one, take it with you. Keep it. It's our gift to you. The most important thing you'll ever have in your life, God's Word. I really do believe that. Um, but we are a church plant from Calvary Chapel, Tucson. In Arizona, that's where I gave my life back to the Lord. That's where I started serving in ministry. That's where I, um, I came on staff. I was actually the janitor there at first for a long time, for many years. And I came on staff as a pastor, and I was ordained there. Um, and I just uh, that's also where I met my lovely wife, Amber. Um, give her a little shout, a little love. Woo! Isn't she great? Nobody's excited except me about that. <laughs> just, just kidding. Y'all are a tough crowd, but that's okay. We'll work on it. It's only week two. We'll, we'll get there. Um, but after a lot of prayer, a lot of God's provision, uh, prophetic moments, things like that, um, we are here. And again, we're the, the fervent church. We hope that tonight uh, you find a place where you can call your church home. Um, I will tell you that for till the end of the year, we have reserved this spot. So every Sunday, 5 p.m., except for December 20th, uh, we will be here because there's a wedding that day. Um, but we will have a Christmas Eve service instead, which is on December 24th. All right, It's a Thursday, and so we'll meet that Thursday um, for uh, a Christmas message. But you can just... you can bet on us being here like if jesus hasn't come back well then we're going to be here every sunday 5 p.m and we would love to have you have your friends family members come here and we hope that you would find this to be a church where you can worship god where you can come and and you need to need prayer or you just need to pray to god you guys can come here for that and that you could hear from god and from his word um so we just hope that this is um, a place you can call church home simply put um really who we are we exist so that people may know Jesus. Some of y'all got your shirts on. That's awesome. That's what we exist for, so that people may know Jesus. That's what we believe life is all about. Some of the verses that came up on the screen there, it's like our core verse is Romans 12, 11, And so it's, do not be slothful in zeal, so don't be lazy. Be fervent in spirit, which means to be passionately intense. Um, and it says, serve the Lord. And so we want to be passionately intense about the Lord. And we want to just be fervent in spirit so that people may know Jesus. Um, because we believe that's what life is all about. And like I said last week, and for those of you who weren't here, you probably know that friend or that family member who has that crazy idea, right? You're like, that's ridiculous. But they're so excited about it, and they're just like so into it. Like it intrigues you and it draws you in. Like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard, but I want to hear more. I want to see how this thing play, plays out because you're just so excited, you know? Um, and so I just, I believe there's something about that. When we have a fervent passion for something, it draws people in and they just get interested. And they're like, I don't know what it is about you. You Christians are a little crazy, but I kind of want to know more. I kind of want to just see what one of these gatherings is about. And so we want to be fervent in spirit. We want to serve the Lord. One of the verses you saw in there to have fervent love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Jesus said, I have fervently desired to have this Passover with you before I go and suffer. And so anyways, fervent just to be passionate, just to be um, I mean, passionately intense. That's literally the dictionary's definition there. And so we hope to spread that to you guys. And we hope that you would become part of our fervent family. Spread that to others. Um, because knowing Jesus is really what it's all about. And maybe you say, well, why do I need to know Jesus? Well, we got into it last week. Genesis chapter 1. It's like God created us. In the beginning, God. 
All right? Everything starts with God. God had no beginning. God always was, always is, forever will be. But it's like in the beginning, God, and then in the beginning, God created. And what we're going to learn tonight is that God created us. He created us with a purpose, and He created us on purpose, all right? And so when we say, well, why do I need to know Jesus? Well, He's our Creator. John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word, help me if you know, was God, right? So it means that, and then if you go to, I think, verse 14 of chapter 1, it says, then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So it's speaking of Jesus, Right? Some people might say, oh, well, that's not Jesus. Like, well, who else is the Bible talking about? So it's saying that Jesus was the Word and everything was created through the Word. Right? So that means you and I. So if we're like, hey, why do I need to know Jesus? What does it matter, Nick? Why is it such a big deal? Why are you guys making a church with the So That People May Know Jesus logo and slogan, if you will? And it's like, well, because He's your maker. And if He made you, He knows why He made you. I think of it this way, it's like a car, if any of you guys, I mean, my favorite brand of car, and you can judge me if you want, um, but it's Toyota. I love Toyotas, they just run forever. All right, I got an 86 Toyota pickup, and I got a 2002 Toyota Tundra, and they're just, they're amazing vehicles, amazing pieces of machinery. But when something goes wrong that I can't fix, I mean, I find myself kind of handy, and I've done some things on my truck, but when there's something I can't fix, where I go to is, and I feel most, most comfortable, is the Toyota dealership. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, you can go to Uncle Jerry and you can go to so-and-so, but you're like, but they're going to do a job just like I would, and I don't know if I trust it. But if I go to the Toyota dealership, it's going to get fixed and it's going to be legit. See, and that's what God wants to do. It's like, why do we need to know Jesus? Because he is our creator. So if you feel broken tonight or you feel hopeless or you feel like you're missing something, you got to come to your creator and God, Jesus, and he's going to tell you your purpose. He's going to fulfill you, and He's going to start to show you the way. If you feel lost, man, Jesus wants to help you out. I will say this, that life with Jesus, and if you know this, uh, if you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, you know it is not easy, and it is not free from trials. Matter of fact, probably will bring more trials. Jesus says that if, or says, the world will hate you because it hated me. So Jesus has given us a little heads up, like, hey, heads up, I'd love for you to follow me, be my disciple. And he says, count the cost. And he says, people are going to hate you because they hated me. 1 Peter 1.7 even says that let your tested uh, faith, your faith that is more precious than gold, although it's tested by the fire, let it be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what it's saying there is your faith is going to be tested. He wants to refine us. He wants to purify a bride for himself, is what Revelation speaks of. So he saves us, but he also wants to sanctify us, set us apart, clean us up. And so maybe you need some cleaning up in your life tonight. I got to say, I, I believe you've come to a good place. But it doesn't come, cleaning yourself up doesn't come by trying harder. So many people are like, well, I'm just going to be a good person. Well, the problem with being a good person is there are no good people. You don't need to be a better person. You need to become a new person. You need to be born again of the Holy Spirit. That comes by repenting of your sins, believing in Jesus, and following Jesus. And that's, again, what we're all about here. And so um, I'm not even in my message yet, so if you're just wondering, this is just kind of like my... I just want to let you know what we're about, all right? We're a new church, and I just... You don't know, you don't know me, I don't know all of you. And so we're letting you know. And so i got to just say, um, my wife and I, our team, we came out from Tucson, Arizona. Um, we're living a life of faith, and i got to say, it is exciting. Um, it's hard. It's scary. We moved out on March 11th, which was the day they announced COVID-19 as a pandemic. Um, Crazy time, scary time to come out and to leave a comfortable, good-paying job. We had a house out in Tucson and all that, and we moved our family um, here. It's, it was crazy, but it's so exciting, and it's been encouraging and strengthening to our faith to see God come through, to see God's hand of provision, to see God make a way. It's been so exciting, and so I know every single one of our team um, members, they can tell you stories of their own life and personal journey just to get how they got here, and it's all a little bit different, but man, God is doing something. He's on the move, um, and uh, I believe that God wants to do something similar in each and every one of our lives, lead you to a life of faith that is exciting. It's hard. It's challenging. Um, I used to uh, lead the young adult ministry at my old church in Tucson, and I told them, um, I used to ride motorcycles, like um, motocross. Anybody motocross? No, I don't know. Um, yeah? All right. I mean, so you know that it's exciting. 
right? You just hit the gas on that motorcycle and it's like, whoo, baby, let's go. And so anyways, I told them that the life of faith is kind of like on a motorcycle and you're about to hit a jump, right? It's like you're hitting this jump 30, 40, maybe even sometimes 50 miles per hour, right? And this jump's bigger than you. You're on your motorcycle standing up and you're still like, I can't see the other side. And so as you're coming up to this thing, it's so scary. Like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I'm so stupid and crazy. Why am I doing this? And then you hit that jump and then all of a sudden you're in the air and you're like, yes, this is amazing. This is why I did it. You're like, and I'm going to make it to the other side. And then you land on the other side and you're like, yes. You're getting a rush right now, right? If you've done that, you're like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And so that's what faith is like. It's like God's like, man, just jump off the cliff. And you're like, this is stupid, Lord. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I, I, and then you do it. And then all of a sudden you're like, this is so exciting. It's just, uh, it's amazing. So Jesus has good things for all of us. Doesn't mean that's going to be easy. Doesn't mean that's going to be comfortable. Just letting you know that. So here at the Fervent Church, we have some values. I want to let you know some of them. Um, the values really, it's not like scriptural where we pulled out like, like the 10 values of the New Testament. Like, no, it doesn't, that's not in scripture. But they are scripture based. Obviously, one of them, we want to be fervent in everything that we do so that people may know Jesus. We value excellence because we want to bring our all because Jesus gave his all, right? We value prayer. Prayer is important. Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. But it's not because, because we have anything to do with it necessarily. It's because it connects us to God, our maker. We value prayer. We value acceptance, accepting of all people, all walks of life. We want people to feel welcome here because Jesus accepted all walks of life. And he wanted all to find life. We value transformation of all people as we learn of who God is, who he created us to be, and, and, the life, and we learn of the life that he desires us to live. Um, we believe it as we encounter Jesus, you experience the Holy Spirit, like you cannot stay the same. You cannot stay the same. We value kids, as many of you saw as you came in here. We got a pretty rocking kids ministry already, and it's only week two, and like so it's pretty awesome there. But we value kids because really kids are our future. Say that ten, time, ten times fast. Are our future. Um, but they are our future. You want to say, like, what's the world going to look like in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years? What's the world going to look like when we're not here anymore? Well, let's ask ourselves, well, like, what are our kids like? What are we teaching them? What do they value? And the things that they value are the things that the world, in, when they are our age, are going to value. So we value kids. We want to teach them of Jesus. And we want to spread um, the love of Jesus so that all may know him. And I mean, just look out there. Like We've spent more, more of our support and stuff on kids' supplies because we're like, let's just let's bless the kids. We love kids. So if you have kids, we welcome them here. You can check them in. Um, up to, I think, 30 minutes before service, 4.30, drop them off, let them have fun. We value authenticity here. We want to be authentic. Um, this is something I said last week that here at the Fervent Church, like, we are not perfect people. If you're looking for the perfect people church, you can keep looking and you're going to be looking forever because the only perfect church is going to come is the one when Jesus comes back, takes us up there. We are now clean and cleansed in our white robes and righteousness, Jesus righteousness that is. Um, but it's not here on earth. There is no perfect church and we just value authenticity being real. Um, we just want to be real. I mean, I think you could relate or understand or that's a word, I don't know. Respect someone who's just real, right? When you have friends at work and it's like, man, their life is so screwed up, but they're the person who's just like, they're always real. I have one of those friends, one of my best friends back in Tucson, like he is so real that he's like the same guy, like everywhere he goes, you know, like there's some people it's like, well, I'm at work now and, and I, you don't talk that way at work. And, you know, now I'm at home now with my family and you don't talk the same way with your family. Like, no, this dude is like everywhere and he's not a believer. So he uses a lot of choice words, if you will. And like, it doesn't matter if my four-year-old's there or we're, we're church service. He's just like, I can't even give you an example because, but anyways, I just, I value that in him. Like he's just a real dude. We're not putting on a show. We're not perfect, but we came here to worship a perfect God. We were, we value remembrance or remembering. 
who we were before Jesus. Because if we forget that we were sinners, lost in sin, then we're going to start to look at other people who are lost in sin and we're going to be like, what's wrong with you? Stop doing that. Get your act together, right? It's like we got to remember, no, we were sinners too. We still sin and trip up today, right? And so we want to remember that. We want to remember who God is, what He has done. If we forget who God is and what He has done, then man, we're just going to be living foolish lives. We value remembrance. We value commitment because Jesus was committed, right? He gave his all there for better or worse. And lastly, this is not to be an extensive list, but just to give you an idea of who we are and what we value here, but we value the Bible, God's Word. This is God's Word to us. Many people will be like, oh, I'm just not hearing from God or I haven't heard from Him in a long time. Well, i got to tell you that today, there is, again, you can grab one of these Bibles on your way out Take it with you. Take two or three if you want to give some to some friends. It's like, but this is a book full of God's words that He wants to speak and teach to you. You and me today, all right? So we value the Bible. We're rooted in God's Word. Primarily, we're going to be teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're going to go through series. Right now, it's more of a topical series just to start out to kind of lay a foundation of what we're about and... um, But after this series, it's going to be about four weeks, we're going to start a study in the book of Mark. A study in the book of Mark, and we're calling it Jesus Verified. And that study, I don't know, it might take... It might take a couple months, but it might take a whole year because um, it's just packed with so much good stuff. And don't mind the train. Um, last week it was a surprise to me. I was like, oh yeah, we're right next to a train track. Maybe should have thought about that before we, <laughs> we signed the lease to uh, be here every Sunday. But I like it. It's cool, man. We're out here in like the country, and this is cool. But we value God's, God's Word in the Bible. Um, and so with that, we just ask that we would place a, a, a reverence on it. Um, that we would really just do everything that we can to keep this a distraction-free environment, and that we would take this next 30, 45 minutes just seriously, and it's like, this is God's Word, um, and let's just see what He would say. Amen? All right, so that's the intro to tonight. There you go. Um, I won't say that much every single night, but I just think we need to let you know a little bit of who we are and what we're doing. But Bible's open, Genesis chapter 1, and we're actually going to read through all of Genesis chapter 1, kind of just off the the bat. And then we're going to get into Genesis chapter 2 tonight and kind of dissect it with a closer look at creation. So let's pray. Um, Open your Bibles again, Genesis chapter 1, the very first chapter in your Bible, so you can't really miss it. Uh, But Father, again, we come here. We're just excited about what you're going to do. I'm excited about what you're going to teach us tonight, Lord. Your word is so good. God, give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, Lord. If even we think we may know it all, God, teach us something new. Show us that we're wrong tonight, God. So, Lord, we just come here and we just ask that you do the only thing that you can do, that you could illuminate your scripture, that we may understand it, that we may learn it, love it, and uh, go out and live it after tonight. God, we just uh, thank you for this study and what you'll do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, is where we're going to start off, and we will be reading through the whole chapter. So, just bear with me. It's It's not as crazy or boring as you think. It's really good. Um, It says, in the beginning, God. That was our sermon last week. In the beginning, God. He always was, always is, always will be. And then it says, in the beginning, God created. And then he goes on. It says, the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together He called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation 
plants yielding seed and the fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so, and the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the sun, right? And the lesser light to rule the night, the, the moon, and it says, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on earth, to rule over the day and over the nights, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. It's a lot of scripture right there. There's a lot going down, man. There's so so much stuff packed into that chapter that there's been people who have taught through chapter one for probably about four or five months without getting out of those verses. We just skimmed through it in about five minutes, right? So go back and and read those on your own time. But but what I want to point out is, again, going back to last week, the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God. God was. He was there. He always has been. He always will be there. He is eternal. But what I forgot, maybe, and I didn't forget, but it just came to me throughout this last week, is that in the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God, that word God is, help me if you know, Anybody know what the first, like God, what that word is in Hebrew? Huh? Elohim. And, and I want to just point this out real quick, and this is why I want to jump back to chapter 1. It's because it's something that we, we need to understand. Well, Elohim is a, it's a Hebrew word, all right? But, and it means God. It's more of somewhat a, um, it, it's like a, a simple descriptive word. Kind of like when you go to school, you have a teacher, Right, and a lot of times, like you have a question, and like what do you say? Like you don't call them by their name necessarily. You're just like teacher, teacher. Like like that's true about them, but that's not everything. See, Elohim, it's talking about God, but also in the Bible, that same word for God is actually used as false gods as well. When it says when they served other gods, like little g, it's the same word as Elohim. So it's very interesting. But here's something interesting about the first verse of the Bible. So it uses Elohim. It is a, it's a singular noun, but it's used in the plural sense. 
So just right off the bat from the first verse of the Bible, we get this plurality of this God. Not to say that there's like plural gods, because the Bible says that, Behold, O Israel, your God is one. We believe that here. God is one. But we also believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And we believe that God is one, but He exists in three persons. We can't necessarily explain it in a way because He's so far above our, our understanding. But what I wanted to point out is like in the beginning, God. So what I'm saying, He was there in the beginning. He was one God existing in three ways. And what we're going to see, or we did see, what was it? Um, verse 27, talks, or 26, He says, God said, let us make man in our image. So, so who's He talking to? So I just wanted to point that out at the beginning of, of just Scripture and just laying this out there. Like in the beginning, God was there and it wasn't just the Father God. Jesus isn't just some second-class citizen to the Father. And the Holy Spirit is not some like guy flying economy in the back of the airplane to Jesus and the Father, right? It's like, no, they are all equally God. We can't explain it. We don't understand it. But if we can understand that and grasp that, that in the beginning, God, He was there, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and in the beginning, God created it will set us up for success as we start to study through Scripture. It'll help us understand more clearly what He, he means when I'm going to send this Holy Spirit and it's going to be better for you because He's going to indwell you and you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We'll start to, we can understand it more when you understand that. But in the beginning, God created. He created everything and therefore if it exists, God created it, right? Uh, and, and that should really just leave us in awe, really. If you think about it, you just think about looking out at some of these trees even. Like, God created those things. And we can't necessarily explain it or how it grows. We know that if you plant a tree seed and you water it and give it some sunlight, we, we know the ingredients, but we don't know how that it actually happens. Like, it's just amazing. And we just look at His creation, and it should just leave us in awe. All of His power, His brilliance, His complexity, His ability in Genesis where we just see that He speaks. And life happens. Last week we talked about that where it's like you just need, we need to let God speak life into our life. Without God, we are a formless void. And really what we're going to learn today is without God, we are just dirt. Form, dirt. Um, some of us more fancy dirt than others maybe, but really we're just dirt without God. And so we need God. And tonight we're going to dive deeper into this creation, specifically His creation of us. It's been brought up before the Genesis chapter 1 uh, in Genesis chapter 2 are somewhat conflicting, and you, you'll see why that would happen tonight um, as we study through chapter 2, but really I don't believe there's a contradiction, and my pastor actually explained it this way, is that, that chapter 1 is, goes through the six days of creation, and then obviously on the seventh day God rested, but the six days of creation... And whether or not that's 24 hours um, literally or if that's like, you know, 24,000 years, like it really doesn't make any difference. God created it. So who really cares how long it took? I do believe in the literal 24-hour day because we see God say there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Um, so that's kind of why I, what I, where I lean, but I don't be believe it matters too much. But really tonight as we look at chapter 2, it's taking the six days of creation and then like a website and you'd have it all laid out and it's like clicking on day six on the creation of man and you're zooming in. And we'll see some of this tonight. So tonight's message, if you take notes, in the beginning, us. In the beginning, us. At the end of chapter one, we see that God saw everything that he had made and he said it was very good. I think it's obvious by now that the point I'm driving is that God created you. But do you know that? That God created you? That, do you know that as God created you, He saw the potential you would have? He, he knows what He built you for? What's interesting to me, and I mean, I'm somewhat of a skeptic, I guess, by nature, um, is whenever someone says something to me or gives me an idea or like, what do you think about this? I kind of look at, and I'm not a negative person, but I look at the things where it's like, these are potential threats. These are potential dangers. Like maybe we shouldn't do this, that, or that way, right? But I love what God says. He sees his creation and he doesn't look at Adam and Eve and say, oh man, they might sin, they, they, oh man, they might ruin everything. He doesn't say that. He looks at his creation and he says, it was very good. And I love that. And I think that tonight, if we could just take this, this word here and just 
Understand that God looks at us, our life, our potential, and he sees that it is very good because he knows who he made. Obviously, we have a sin nature. We will get more into that next week as we talk about in the beginning, sin entered the world. But tonight, we just want to talk about that God's created things and he's created good things. He's pleased with his creation. If you join me in reading um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, we'll get into this. And it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. A first point here tonight as we start to talk about in the beginning us and God creating us and what did he create us for? What do we need? Well, obviously the first thing we need, we need God. Because without God, we wouldn't exist, right? And we already hit that point and nailed that in there. But it's like the second thing we need and what we see is God making an example for us and it is rest. Do you know that you need rest? Some of you, maybe you like rest a little too much, right? And you're like, man, I, like, I love to rest all day, you know, and not do too much. But it's like, we need rest. And there are people, and I mean, I'm prone to do this at times in life, where it's like, I just, I, I, that's how people say is burn the candle at both ends, right? It's like, you just go, go, go. There's not enough time in the day. There's not enough time in the week. There's just so much to do. And you just feel like, man, I, I, I know I need to rest and I need to take a day off. But if I take a day off, then how's this work going to get done? Right? Anybody feel that way sometimes? Well, God, though, in the beginning, He sets us an example of rest. What we know about God is He is eternal. He is all-powerful. Like, He doesn't need rest. But I love, what I love about God is that He never calls us to do anything that He doesn't first do or make an example for us Himself. So I think that's what God was doing. He made six days of creation, and then on the seventh day, He rested to show us that we need rest. So we see this idea of rest implemented early into Scripture. Not, again, not because God needed it, but because He knows that we need it. Are you feeling burnt out or restless or tired today? I know I was yesterday. Yesterday was a day. Like, you know what I'm talking about? You have one of those days where you're like, Phew, Lord, thank you, that's over and gone and behind me. And then I slept about nine hours last night. I got some rest. It was good. It was very good. In the words of Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. Anyways, but if you need rest, Jesus says in Matthew, I think, um, Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Like, if you're working hard and you're just tired and you need some rest, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. We were created to rest physically, obviously, but I believe the principle here also is a, it's, it's a mirror into the spiritual, spiritual rest. Jews to this day, they even still observe the Sabbath day. They keep it holy. They don't do any work. Uh, one of my friends back in high school, we, we rode BMX bikes too and stuff. And so we'd go out like all the time. We had some spare time. We went out to some jumps or to somewhere just to ride. Um, but on Saturday, and this dude was like the best of all of us, you know what I mean? Like he could do backflips on a dirt jump and land and keep going. Like that's how good he was. It was like, what? Only Matt Hoffman can do that. Uh, you guys don't even know who that is probably. But that's just how amazed I was, right? And, but on Saturday, this dude was so hardcore. He was Jewish. And he, just, he would not ride his bike. Because he's like, no, that's work. It was funny, though, because he would come out to the jumps and he would actually build them with a shovel. I'm like, I don't know, man. What's harder, riding a bike or shoveling dirt? I don't know. But anyway, so he, he though, they took this, this idea of rest so important that, like, we're not going to do anything on Saturdays, right? But as Christians today, followers of Jesus, we need to understand that Jesus is our rest. Hebrews chapter 4 says that he is our rest. He is our Sabbath. Like, we don't need to try and just uh, do all do all these things in works where it's like, well, don't ride your bike and don't do that and don't do this. It's like, no, just rest in Jesus. And so, I don't know, a question to ask, like, do you make time in your life, in your week, to rest in Jesus? And I think for me, a lot of times, like, that resting in Jesus is actually somewhat of work where it's like, I have to open my Bible. I have to start to read a little bit, right? And sometimes I'm like, but I'm too tired to read. I don't really want to read right now and... You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it feels like work, but the thing is, it's like as I get into it and I start to understand God's Word, it actually fuels me up. It fills me up. Jesus starts to fill you up. Do you make time in your week where you rest with Jesus? 
We were not created to just go, go, go all the time. We need rest. If God rested in the beginning, we should rest. We need rest. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 says, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in, that, in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the earth. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Love it. I, I love this. So we get a closer look at creation. And again, some would say it's a contradiction because if you go through Genesis 1, you're like, well, wait, plants and vegetation came in on day three, I believe it was. And now it's saying that, the, that the, there was no bush of the field and there was no small plant yet yielding fruit and all that stuff. And he's like, but then he formed Adam, who we know was formed on the sixth day, as Genesis 1 says. People say that's a contradiction. But what I think it, when I'm thinking of this, it talks about in Genesis 1 that it, like God made them. It doesn't say exactly like what the time span was in which it bore fruit. But I think, like, man, God made the plant. We know, like, when you go to a, a store, Home Depot, or wherever you buy plants at, like, you buy some seeds, right? You plant those seeds. Like, maybe when God created, in the beginning, the plants, maybe he just planted a bunch of seeds, and there's just so much potential in the ground. We didn't, he, like, nobody even knew. Everybody's like, God, what are you doing? I mean, there's nobody around. But if we were, we're like, God, what are you doing? You just made a dirt field. He's like, wait for it. And I just think in my head that maybe that's what God did on Genesis chapter 1, that he made all the plants of the field. They're all there. They all had the seed. They all had the potential to bear fruit. And then what happened and what we see as we zoom in is that God formed man. Right? It's like he formed man. There wasn't anything like plants blooming in this time. And it doesn't mean that there wasn't plants yet. Maybe they were just smaller in nature, right? But so, so he's, he makes man out of the dirt, out of the dust. What we see is that God formed man, fashioned man, intricately, purposefully, skillfully. Psalm 139, and I just jot this down. This is a great chapter. Like, go home and do this for homework and just meditate on it this week. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, it says this, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes, God, saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God formed man, God formed women on purpose with purpose. It says in one, Psalm 139, and you go back and you read it, he says that like, you knew the days that you made for me. He says, when, when there was none of them, when I didn't even exist, God, you knew what I was supposed to do. You knew why you created me. See, he saw the days that were formed for you, the purpose that was formed for you. Ephesians 2.10, jot that down. It says, for we are God's workmanship. Or if we go in the Greek, it's po poema, I think, right? And it's just, it means poem. Like we are God's poem. We are his his, uh, his creation, man, it's just beautiful. His workmanship, and it says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, and check this out, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, it doesn't say like, oh, when you get your life right and you come to Jesus and you clean yourself up enough, come see God, and then God will instill some purpose into your life, and then he'll be like, okay, well, let's see what you have, and let's figure out a plan, a five-year, ten-year plan for your life. No, Jesus is like, no, I, before you even were born, I knew what I wanted you to do. I gave you gifts and talents that, you, that are, the Bible says, that are irrefutable, the calling of God, it's like, it's, ir what's the word that he uses um, in Romans, but it's like, you can't escape it. That's what I would tell the students in my young adult ministry. It's like, so what? You made some mistakes in your life. 
You've sinned. You've gone astray. You partied it up. You've lived for yourself. You've worked and become so rich that you don't care about anything and anyone else, right? And to me, I'm just like, like, who cares about that? Because what I know about God is that I made a wreck of my life, and I'll tell you more later if you want to talk one-on-one, but I made a pretty big wreck of my life to where I was like, this was my thought. I was like, I believe in you, God. And I went to a counselor for three years, actually, and he asked me. I just told him, I said, look, I understand the Bible. I understand that I can be forgiven. But I said, I don't think I'll ever be able to be used for God again. And he told me, he said, Nick, God wants to use you today. And as I start to study through Scripture, I realize it's like my my calling, the things that God has placed on my life, I can't get away from it. I mean, yeah, I can rebel all I want and I can go do whatever I want. But if I want to get back on God's plan, God's like, hey, it's the same plan that I had before you were even born, when you were born, when you messed up and went astray, when you came back to me. It's the same plan. We're picking up where we left off. This is what God's saying. So he created us with purpose. That's what I'm trying to say. It was not the accident, the creation of mankind, men and women, was not an accident. It wasn't just some random chance. And man, it was just a a fluke kind of day where the weather was right and it was a little moist and humid like Austin, Texas. And all of a sudden some atoms and protons came together and boom, man, life happened. No. It was the result of the Almighty God, His intricacy, His knowledge, Him fashioning together, weaving together, as Scripture says, forming man out of dirt and breathing His life into us. You were not an accident. Your parents might tell you, oh, you're an accident. I wasn't planning on you. We didn't want you, but here you are anyways. See, that might be true in that sense, but to God, he's like, you weren't an accident. I knew who you were before you knew anything. You're not an accident. He created you with specific plans, specific purposes that he knew of long ago. And if you feel like you don't know what that purpose or plan is, can I just say and encourage you to just dive into a relationship with God? Know Him more. Again, it's like going to the dealership with your car where you're just like, look, something's bro- broken and wrong. You take it to like the, the dealership auto mechanics, like you're like, it's going to get fixed and they're going to take care of it. It might cost a little bit more, but they're going to take care of it, right? It's like if you want to know your plan, your purpose for your life, you want some healing, some fixing, some comforting, go to Jesus. He's going to comfort you. He's going to teach you. Uh, uh, verse 7 again, it says that then, the, or maybe we didn't even read it. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I think we did read it. And the man became a living creature, but simply put, God breathed into dirt. Psalm 103, 14 says, For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. He knows what we can handle and what we can't handle. He made us. And what this implies to us and what we need to understand is that God breathed into dirt and if He hadn't, again, and we said this a little bit earlier, if He hadn't breathed into that dirt, that dirt would just be dirt. God breathes and life happens. That word breath there in the, uh, in the Hebrew, it, it's the same word in different places that's translated spirit. God's spirit. God's breath. As he breathes, life happens. Let's go on verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. In the east and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so what we see here is, again, what we, if we take chapter 2 for what it's saying is that before there was a garden, he made Adam. Like before everything was all lush and super fruitful and you can pick off of any tree, it's like he made Adam is what it's basically saying here. And so he's saying, and then he put Adam into the garden after he made Adam and after he made the garden. And so as we're talking about us tonight, you and me, who we are in light of God, we should understand that God created us with needs. And obviously the first one we've hit uh, uh, and we will always hit is that we need God. 
For without him we will not exist. We wouldn't be here. He holds us together. Colossians 1.16 says that for all things were made by him and for him. And then in him all things hold together. Yet so oftentimes in our life, right, God becomes our last resort. I'm not going to go to church. A bunch of hypocrites. Right? I'm not going to read the Bible and stuff. That's for religious people. But then when some traumatic type of experience happens in your life, maybe you lose someone or, or just something happens, rattles your cage, right? And it's like, and then all of a sudden it's your last resort. It's like, all right, I'll go to church and maybe I'll try this God thing out. Well, that should be our first resort in anything is that, okay, well, what does God say? What does God want to tell me in, in my years of teaching um, and pastoring young adults? I've seen many come in and they come in broken. Because something happened, and usually it was their girlfriend broke up with them, or their boyfriend broke up with them. Nick, what do I do? I don't know. I think I want to give my life back to the Lord. And I'm like, yes, you should do that. But you understand that if you give your life back to the Lord, that does not mean that old Bobby, Ricky boy is uh, going to come back into your life. You see? But they just come to God for what they can get. But that's not what it should do. It's like we should just come to God for who He is. Again, we need God. And he created us with needs. So he created us with needs. First need being a need for him. Our second need, a need for rest. We saw that today um, in in the first verses of chapter 2, that God rested, so we should rest. But then the third need that he created us with, and you and I, we know it well, we love it, is that we need to eat. Right? We need to eat. He created us with a need for food. we got to eat to survive. And so what we see in this closer look at creation, and this is what I love, it's just such a beautiful picture, and this is why you got to study just Scripture, it's so amazing. Like God created Adam, and there was no garden yet. You see the picture there? It's like something's wrong here, Lord. Uh, my stomach's doing some weird things I never felt before, God, what is that? It's like, oh, you need to eat. Well, what, what does eat mean? What, what does food mean? And God's like, well, I haven't made it yet. Like that's kind of what's going on. It's a picture you get. But what I love about it is it puts a dependency upon God where it's like, God, if you don't come through for me, I'm going to die. If you don't provide for me, I'm not going to be able to eat. And so it just paints this picture of God is our provider just from the very get-go. Again, like if God hadn't made us and breathed into dirt, we wouldn't be here. If God didn't provide food for us, we wouldn't be surviving and living on. God is our creator. He gives us what we need. But what happens in life today is like the world will try and tell you, like, you don't need God. Like Jesus, the prayer he says, Matthew chapter 6, he says, um, pray this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Right? But when's the last time we prayed that? You prayed that. God, give me my daily bread today. See, the world has conditioned us. Like, we don't need to pray that because we've got a refrigerator full of food. We've got a pantry full of enough rice and peanut butter and stuff from COVID-19 prep. And we don't need to t- pray to God for food. We've got plenty. That's what the world will try to tell you and try to condition you, that you don't need God. But man, we've got to understand all good things, everything has come down from God. And again, He created us to need Him. He is our provider. And what I want to encourage you and what we have experienced in these last six months since we've been here is that God, where He guides, He provides. It doesn't mean that you're going to be rich or comfortable. Let me tell you that much, right? But He's going to give you what you need. Philippians 4.19 says, and this is Paul, he says, My God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Jesus Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 6, he goes off on this thing and he says, like, why are you worrying? Why, why are you anxious? You can't do anything about your life anyways, right? And Jesus is like, don't you look at, just look at the birds. They're not freaking out. They're not tripping and like, oh man, what are we going to do? What are we going to do for food? And it's like your heavenly father takes care of them. He's like, and you are of much more value. Won't he take care of you? And he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Again, that's our first basic need, our necessity. Is we need God. He says, seek God first. He says, in all these things, food, clothing, shelter, that, well, God will take care of that. Again, it might not be what you want, but He gives you what you need. He knows our needs. He created us with them, and so He wants to be the one to provide for us. And we should see Him as that when God provides. Work is God's provision. 
I think so many times we get it mixed up and we're like, man, I work so hard. Like, well, good for you, you know, but do you understand that God gave you that job? God gave you that ability to work, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, even though you might not like it, but he's the one providing for you. Don't lose sight of those things in life, guys. Verse 8 and 9, we're going to start to fly through the rest of this, so just bear with me. But he says, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground he, the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to sight, uh, pleasant to the sight, and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil were in the garden. So there's two specific trees he points out here. We'll get more into that next week. Um, but there's, here's the thing that I... I want us to understand is that the tree in itself was not evil. It was the knowledge of good and evil and that you would know more than you knew before. But I think so many people will try and say, well, if God was good and he's almighty and he's pure and just and all these things, why would he create a tree that would bring forth evil? Well, he didn't create evil. He created a tree and he said, don't touch it. See, any healthy relationship or friendship in your life needs boundaries, right? And so God created a tree, and we'll see he creates boundaries. He's like, well, if we really want true freedom, there has to be choices. Otherwise, it's not freedom. If he's just like, here you go, you got to live your life this way. And, you know, true freedom requires a choice. So he makes these two trees. We'll get into that more next week. But verse 10 it says, a river flowed out of Eden to water the, ground, the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Belium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. And we're not going to get deep into this tonight, but these rivers really today is like we can't find those because after the flood, it probably dispersed everything. So it's not where it was. Obviously, we know that there's a Euphrates today, but that doesn't mean that it was the Euphrates River of Genesis chapter 2. But it could be. Um, But anyways, what I love about this is like God just created such a lush environment where it's like there's rivers, there's gold, and there's all kinds of just stuff where God's like, just enjoy. Just don't eat of the one tree. That's basically, he just set him up with in paradise. Verse 15 says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, and check this out, to work it. To work it and keep it. Says to work it and keep it. God made the man in the garden, brought the or brought the garden. He provided for him. Now God's like, now you need to work the garden. He put him there to to work in. You need to understand that work was not a post-sin or post-fall like addition or punishment to mankind. Work was intended, and we were created with purpose to work from the very beginning. God put them in the garden to work it and to keep it. Um, we're created to work. Work as tiring as it may be and lame as it may seem at times. It's actually a great, it's a huge benefit to us. I think you guys could probably agree with me. Like there's your day off or maybe a couple days off. And one of those days you just are like, I'm not doing anything today. You know, and if you're married, you know that is not acceptable, right? <laughs> just kidding. Um, but anyways, um, but you no, know, you, you're like, I'm just not going to do anything today. I worked hard this week and God said I need a day of rest, so baby, I'm taking a day of rest today. Now, I know the trash needs to go out, but I'll do that tomorrow. I know that that, you know what I'm saying? But then you don't do anything all day. You lay on the couch, you watch some TV, movies, whatever. Um, and at the end of the day, though, like, how do you feel? You kind of look at yourself and you're like, ah, oh, man, like, I didn't, I didn't do anything today. I didn't accomplish anything. Like, it, it kind of feels like a wasted day. Like, you're like, yeah, I enjoyed resting and relaxing, but I didn't get anything done. I don't feel like I achieved anything at that point. See, because work is something that God created us to do, and it's something that will help us. It's like, even if on your day off, if it's just as simple as having a little checklist, take out the trash, do the dishes, wipe the counter, whatever, or like things that just need to be done, um, and you start to do those things, like, have any of you done that before? Like, on your day off, you're like, I don't want to do any of these chores, but I'm going to do them. How do you feel at the end of that day? Like, you're like, I didn't really do anything, like, extravagant. I didn't change the world, but my kitchen's clean. 
right? And then you just feel good because it gives you this sense of accomplishment where like, I did something good today. See, we were created to work. And work will actually, it's like an antidepressant for us. Like if you're feeling depressed, like I would just ask you like, well, do you work? What do you do all day? Do you just sit around, right? Like depression is something that just, it's, it like compounds upon itself. Like depression, you're just like, ah, I don't feel like doing anything today. So you don't do anything today. But then at the end of the day, you're like, ah, oh, I didn't do anything today. I'm worthless. And then it puts you into more of a depression. And the next day, you're like, bah, I didn't do anything yesterday. I'm just, I don't feel like doing anything today. And then at the end of that day, you look at your life and you're like, man, I didn't do anything. I, I suck. This is terrible. See, it compounds upon itself and it drives you into this cycle of depression. And so work is like the opposite where all of a sudden, like, now I work. And you're like, ah, man, I did something today. Yes. Like, and it, it starts to drive you out and you actually feel like you're starting to achieve your purpose. Because I will say, you probably are. Because God said you need to work. And he said he created you for works that he knew of before the foundations of the earth. But... Um, we, we need to work. Simply put. Uh, verse 16. Or did I already hit that one? Or let's go to 18. Then the, God said, uh, the Lord God said, and that's another interesting word, and I forgot to talk about that. But see, in the beginning, he says God. It's Elohim. It's like, hey, teacher, teacher. Um, it's like, oh, hey, God, God. It's like now it says the Lord God. And that's actually Yahweh Elohim. And now it's like it's a personal thing where it's like, it, and that's what I love. It's like the more you get to know God, the more personal it gets, the more he reveals himself to you. It's not teacher anymore. It's Mr. Whatever or it's Mrs. Whatever, right? And so that God, anyways, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not formed or found a helper fit for him. Verse 21, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall become called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore... A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the, they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. A few things just to note in that is what I see is Adam was there and he was alone. Remember verse, or chapter 1 closes, says God looked at everything. He said, this is very good. Like, it's very good. But the only thing that he saw, and he's like, this is not good, was when Adam was alone. The principle here is that we were created for community. Did you know that you and I, we need each other? Like, like we need friends in our life. Again, that's like an antidepressant that God has prescribed to earth. It's community. Hey, you want to be happier and joyful in life? Well, hang out with some people. But again, if you do the opposite and you're like, but I don't feel like hanging out with anybody today, and you don't hang out with anybody, and then at the end of the day, you're scrolling through social media, and everybody's doing something. They're all at the fervent church, and they're like, dang, I should have went. I should have went. It looked like a good night. And man, I, I missed out. And then they feel a little more depressed at the end of the night. And then the d next day, it just kind of compounds upon itself. I don't really feel like hanging out with anybody today. Just not feeling it. And then they don't hang out with anybody. Now they feel more lonely. Like, like, man, I just feel like I don't have any friends. It's like, well, yeah, you're not hanging out with anyone. See, God here, he saw Adam and he knew what he needed. He said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make a helper fit for him. And please understand this. This is not like a, oh, men are better than women type of thing that God's saying. Some people will take that out of context and they'll try to twist God's word. It's just like he's trying to make a, a um, comparable or complementary person for Adam. Like me and my wife, we couldn't be more like, like we're the same, but we're so different. You know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm saying? You guys understand this kind of stuff? Like, there's things that I care about that she could care less about. Like, I don't care about trucks and cars and stuff like that, right? And there's things she cares about that I could maybe care less about. You know, I don't, 
Anyways, I can give you examples. But, but the idea here is God's like, but you need someone. This doesn't mean that, oh, you all need to be married either. You need to understand that. That's not the principle that we should take from this, that every single person needs a person to be married to. He's saying you just need people. You need helpers in life. In this instance, he created the first marriage, Adam and Eve, and he said that it was good. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Hang out in the garden naked. Have fun. But I mean, the idea that we need to understand is like, it's not good when you're alone. He created us with a need for Him, a need for rest, a need for food, and a need for each other. Without any of those four things, like we're going to miss out on purpose. We're going to miss out on what God wants to do through your life, around your life. And so who are you surrounding yourself with? That's a question we'll close with. Good company? Good people of moral character or bad company? The scriptures say that bad company corrupts good character or good morals. And I like to think that that's an absolute. Like you hang out with bad people, people that are getting drunk and high every day and they're beating their, their spouse or whatever. It's like sooner or later you're going to be defiled in some way or another. You might not do everything that they do to the extreme, but you might you hang out with them all the time. Like, well, and now I'm going to get a little bit drunk. Just a little bit drunk. I'm just not drunk drunk. You know? Like who are you hanging out with? Proverbs says this, and this is what I love too. The wounds, this is a a hard verse, but it's so good. The wounds of a friend can be trusted, but the enemy multiplies kisses. What he's saying is like a a good friend, a real one, someone to keep in your life. Like, hey, this is my A1 since day one. Like, they're the ones who are like, dude, that outfit sucks. (laughs) Like, you look like a fool right now. You're like, you know what? That's why I love you, because you tell me when I look stupid. That's what my wife does all the time. Like, babe, you're going to go out in that? Well, (laughs) maybe not. Now, I don't know. I was going to. I didn't think it looked too bad. Um, But, like, they can be trusted. But you're real friends, too. They're going to tell you, like, when you're doing something foolish, you're like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? I remember a long time back having a conversation with my friends where I was just deeply concerned for their salvation. I'm like, if God comes back today, if he comes back tomorrow, or if you die because you're doing stupid stuff and you have to go there, it's like, will you go to heaven? And I just remember asking them that, you know? Because I think that's what a real friend would do. It's like, well, what are you doing? Like, you are living a life of sin. I want to tell you that that's not okay. Like, we got to love each other through these things. But that's what a good friendship would do. A good relationship will do. They will tell you the truth there. They will edify one another. The church is meant to do that. Like, do you know that? Like, one of my friends, um, he's actually make, starting a church in, like, uh, southeast Austin, Family Life Austin, if you live out there, go check him out. Um, but his slogan, like, ours is so that people may know Jesus. His is, the church needs what you have. I love it because it's so true. It's like, we need what you have. Like, without you and your, and your abilities, we won't be able to function. Just take the, take, take the idea of a car again. I've used it so many times, but it's like each part plays its own role. The tires are not the motor, but they both need each other, right? It's like the seat and the driver, steering wheel is not the same thing as the, the rest of the car, right? But it needs each other. You and I, we need each other. The fervent church needs you in here. Not because we're like, oh, well, we need to fill seats. It's like, no, like, we just want you to find a place where you can find community, friendship, people who care about you, and that you could grow in your walk with Jesus, and that you would know his desires for your life, his plans and purposes for your life, and that you would start to see your life flourish in a way that you wouldn't see anywhere else. In closing... In the beginning, as we talked about last week, God, He always was, always is, always will be. In the beginning, God created. If, it's, if it exists, He made it. And here's the thing tonight is that in the beginning, God created us. You're not an accident. You're not just some chance. You have purpose from, the God, from God Almighty, the one who holds the universe in the span of His hands. He knows you. And He loves you. 
May we just think about that and try to comprehend it a little more this week. And hopefully we can find some encouragement in it and some, just have some of those awestruck moments where we're just sitting before the Lord like, oh my goodness, like the God of the universe. Just sit up if the, the sky's clear tonight. Just look at the stars. And just, I don't know, I sit outside often and I just look and I'm just like, God, like you made all of this and so much more. It just blows my mind. And he made me. And he knows me. And he loves me. And I want you to know that he knows you. He made you. He loves you. And he wants to do a work in your life and through your life that will not be accomplished anywhere else. And he's the only one that will lead you to a truly fulfilling life because he's the only one who had a purpose for it in the first place. Can I just get an amen if you believe that, if you agree with me tonight? Let's stand. Let's pray. We'll close with a song of worship and We'll get out of here. So, Father, we thank You for Your Word. It is good. It is true, Lord. It is food for our souls. You say that man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, Lord, we got a lot of it tonight. And I pray that we could digest it over the next couple hours, the next couple days, and even the next few weeks, months, and years, and that it would start to transform our thoughts, our thoughts of ourselves, that we're not worthless, God, that we are actually priceless, and the price that you paid was your son on a cross, God, and help us to understand that we have value. And it's not because of ourselves, but it's because of you. You formed us and created us intricately, purposefully. God, and so we give you glory for anything good that's ever come from our life because it was you. And God, I pray that if any of us have gone astray and maybe we're struggling with depression, maybe we're struggling with just, we're, not, we're feeling unmotivated and we don't want to hang out with anybody and we don't want to fellowship, God, I pray that you would just rebuke that in us and God, help us to come clean of it and give us a desire, a healthy desire for fellowship with one another. God, just instill purpose in our hearts and in our lives and help us just to understand that concept that you created us for a purpose more this week than we ever have in our life. And we pray this and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.